This is the Instant Speed Podcast, episode number 34, brought to you by FabDB.net, your premier source for deck building tools, collection management, and simulated booster drafting. Yeah, and also other stuff. Check out Teclo Labs and check out Wraith Times. Yeah, they're doing a lot of stuff out there in card tech land. Upgrade your account at FabDB.net. Get access to all the greatest features. Bring your game to the next level. FabDB.net. Now, our guest today is Logan Peterson of the Flesh and Pod podcast, a wonderful human being. But before we get to Logan, let's get to the facts. ProQuest Season 2 is still well underway. We've got one more weekend of naughtiness before maybe Chain gets pushed past the living legend mark. So you have one more weekend to punch your ticket to Lille, France for the second Pro Tour happening in August. But we've got the Uprising World Premiere just a week and a half away, ladies and gentlemen. June 10th to 12th in Madrid, Sydney, and Las Vegas. There will be the world premiere event of Uprising. Lots of drafting going on. It is a calling. There's going to be some great stuff to happen there at the world Uprising premiere. We're so excited for that uh, to occur. And uh, hey, spoiler season for the cards is right around the corner as well. We're recording this on uh, June 1st slash May uh, May 31st, etc. Yada, yada, yada. Long story short, ladies and gentlemen, is that on June 4th through to the 8th, you are going to start seeing card leaks of what there is coming down the pipe for Uprising. I've got my card leak here. It's still sealed. I know what it is, but I ain't going to tell you because you're going to have to tune in on June 7th for my card reveal. But uh, between that, between June 4th and June 8th, Lots of cards are going to be revealed across various different platforms and wonderful human beings. So make sure that you're locked and loaded for that. Hey, do you want to have your match casted by myself, by another professional caster, someone like Rick from BCW, maybe Tannen Grace as well? You can go ahead and talk to me. Send me a DM and uh, we can get your match casted professionally for a small cost. Again, we've done it before. I've done it for uh, some wonderful people out there and the reviews have been up there. So I will bring my passion, my love to your kitchen table game. Maybe it's even more than that. Maybe it's a pro quest. Maybe it's uh, something along those lines. Either way, record your game, reach out to me, and we could talk. I also want to give a big ups to my wonderful Patreon followers. You guys are wicked cool. Thank you for supporting the show. All of you from Tier 1 to Tier 3, you guys are wonderful. There are three different ways that you can support the Instant Speed Podcast. Again, we don't hide any content behind paywalls. But if you want to support the show for as little as a dollar a month, you can get some wicked perks and just give me a high five or a pat on the back and say, Flake, we like what you do. Go to patreon.com slash instant speed pod and uh, that is a wonderful way that you can go ahead and share your support with us here thank you so so much all right our guest this week on episode number 34 of the instant speed podcast is the host of the flesh and pod podcast that would be one logan peterson let's get to mr logan peterson one more weekend. Are you looking to push chain over living legend? Are you saying, you know what? We got Bravo there, Viscerize there. How about we push that other emo-faced brooding dude with his long hair and his look of like, oh, Jared Leto is my favorite Joker. No, chain to living legend is something that you gotta be pushing for, ladies and gentlemen. So go get a chain list. Go to the last pro quest of the season with a chain list. Where do you get that chain list? FabDB.net has everything you need, not just the deck, but maybe you take that deck 
and you fiddle around with it. You change a few cards, you want statistics, you want to print it out, and your chicken scratch is not going to be squinted at when the TO is like, what the hell is this card? Anyways, fabdb.net. Ladies and gentlemen, upgrade your account. You won't regret it. The Instant Speed Podcast is thrilled to welcome one of the most candid voices in flesh and blood. He is the one of the hosts, rather, of the Fresh and Pod podcast. And has a history in many CCG titles over many years. Welcome to ISP, Logan Peterson. How are you, my friend? Thank you, Matt. It's Flesh and Pod. The fresh people are a little bit different. Did I say uh, Fresh and Pod? You did, but that's okay. We're uh, one big happy family. Man. He is a good man. He's a, <laughs> he is a fun time if there ever was one. Uh, I'm doing great. How are you, buddy? I'm well. Well, well, I mean... Well, you, I mean... Yeah. In the blooper reel of this episode, you'll see me right before we start spill my coffee on my phone, my um, international like adapter for plug plugs, my preview card, uh, my keyboard, and all of the stuff, and my calendar. So basically, the preview card was safely sealed. That is important. Uh, it was safely sealed. Um, yeah, it's still here. So Perfect. we have not. Yeah, that's going to be busted open on the seventh. So uh, it's here. Oh, I know soon. what it is, but. I haven't opened it out of the envelope, and I don't intend to. It's going to live there forever and always, but... Probably a good idea. That's where we're at for the episode, and <laughs> if it was going to be one of those, I might as well just completely go full fakakta on your uh, on your on the name of your podcast, so that that's just... Yeah, on, I mean, that's totally okay. It's on brand for today, Logan. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I'm just glad so. it's you here, because... Uh, <laughs> If it was a more, like, if this was a James White episode, if this was, like, a Josh Scott episode, if this was any LSS episode, I'd, I'd be uh, so embarrassed. It, it sure isn't, and I make enough mistakes for the two of us, so you're more than okay you know at who this I point in time. You know who I feel like? It's so perfectly set up here, because the one thing that legitimately dodged the gigantic coffee tsunami that occurred is my Kirk Van Houten pin. Perfect. Uh, yeah, uh, which, it's his demo tape. And if you yep. open the demo tape, you've got there. Uh, yeah, can I borrow a feeling? Yep. Yeah, can I borrow a feeling? Uh, yeah, yeah you had it upside down so the, the viewers oh, couldn't read it. My but I know what it is. Yeah, you know what it is. There you go. Can I, can I borrow a feeling? Uh, yeah, I have watched every episode of The Simpsons. So at, at least five times. That's. Uh, I, there are episodes I've gone 20 on. Easy. Um, I do re I remember a high school quiz bowl competition where at the end of it uh one of the categories we could select was in the small town of springfield and i'm like that's a simpsons category take that i'll run it and it was we are going to give you the the character's first name and you give us the character's last name oh eight god. seconds later eight seconds later i ran the category we oh won oh my god <laughs> it was nothing what was the hardest one that they gave you i mean it was probably getting up whose last name right but nahasmila pedalon is not that hard it's not that hard unless they ask um, you to spell it like there's yeah right right and it was like clancy wiggum duh you know yeah. barney gumble come on let's go Waylon let's, smithers let's <laughs> smithers. go all of them yeah this like whatever come on yeah no you these are better these are yeah these are kind of easy there was Terwilliger. Terwilliger. <laughs> yeah come on now now can you get all of like uh uh selma's last names based on Oof. all of her marriages <laughs> Bouvier, Terwilliger, McClure. Uh, was she, did she marry Barney at one point? No, she so. almost was. Uh, almost. She almost married Barney. Uh, sorry, she almost was married to Pooh, though. I can't remember who the golfer was. That's the one I'm I'm missing. Well, like uh, like you're talking about uh, Lee Carvalho's putting challenge. 
Yeah. I don't think she married uh, Lee Corvette. I don't think, I don't think she did, but um, I, I think that might be all of them, right? Or does she have one more in there that well, I'm missing? I think it's the it's the episode with uh, Proposition 24 or something like that where they they want to deport Apu. So yeah, Homer... Su- almost married, yeah. Yeah, Homer suggests that she marries him, and then that's where she said, I'm already... Selma Bouvier Terwilliger McClure, and I don't need right. to be Nahasapima Petal, whatever is what <laughs> yeah, she says. Nahasapima yeah. Petal, whatever. Yeah. Um, so funny that you should mention that it's Simpsons pub trivia because when I first moved to Toronto, one of the first things I did with um, one of my best friends and uh, her uh, her boyfriend at the time, and some of the like, just getting acclimated to you know, yeah, right, was they invited me out for Simpsons trivia. Now. They're like, listen, it's it's gonna be hard. I said, okay. I'm like, mm-hmm. I've no problem. Um, and it's funny because they named all they named like there was different teams there, and all the teams had different names. And the winning team, the team that went every week and always won, was the team name was Sex Cauldron, which I thought was hilarious from the uh, Maison Derriere episode. Yep. And so they're like, okay, well, we need a name for a team. So I suggested Stupid Lisa Garbage Face, which I thought was <laughs> pretty good. Um, instead of like, you know, Lisa Leinhardt was stupid Lisa Garbage Chase. Anyway, long story short, I answered probably 98% of the questions uh, for our team. And we finished, like, I think we finished second. And it was, I so I was like the ringer in there. Yep. And poor Sex Cauldron, which like, with like literally six quote unquote Simpsons experts were sweating it because I was just like crushing them. hard. Yeah, basically. And they're like, okay, one of the questions was something along the lines of like, uh, what brand of what what style of cigarettes does uh does Selma smoke? And I was like, like, do you know this one? Laramies? Oh no, you need the specific. They said we know it's Lar- oh, like they said. Okay, you need to know the exact type. <sighs> now you're gonna have to give me a second. I'm gonna. I think it's Laramie 100s, but I don't remember for sure. It's Laramie Extra Tar. Uh, is extra the tar. yeah? It's the Extra Tars. <laughs> okay. So, those were like I would the, not some, have got that one, but, but like I was like I'm, I'm like these are the small little subtle jokes which are hilarious. So right? I was like, yeah, oh, there's so like, many. That's the one. So um, I always name my Simpsons team name trivia team names are always named after a Phil Hartman character because <laughs> Phil Hartman was my favorite part of the Simpsons ever, and that, to honor the greatness that was Phil Hartman Be- between Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz, like those are two tremendous characters. And what's funny. Sneaking Lyle Landley. Oh, Lyle like, Landley, of course. But he was a one-off for the monorail it episode. It was so good. It was so good. I mean, he listen. He put he he brought monorails to uh to to you know to 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 Ogdenville, Ogdenville and and, yeah. and North Haverbrook and by golly, it put them on the map, right? So sure did. Uh, so um, yeah, that's that that's that's oh man, we're like way off the rails, but it's okay. Yeah, that's, this is what it's like on my podcast, yeah. where we just end up doing this. So well, some there are going to be there's a group of people like what I've noticed is that the de- demographic for my podcast and many flesh and blood podcasts frankly are people i think within our our age bracket of like between like 25 and 40 or like around that sort of area where you know i'm 36 i don't know how old are you if you may if if uh, i'm 41 okay so we're all kind of within that wheelhouse where we grew up on the the golden age of the simpsons like the seasons yeah, absolutely two through nine or whatever you know with, with the great ones were so those are you know etched into our mind but the demographic of, of the people who consume flesh and blood content typically is it you know it's not like sub sub 20 or you know 25 oh, and no younger. no mm-hmm. it's it's way pushed towards like 
the 25 to 45 demographic. And that's like kind of the wheelhouse of, you know, Seinfeld references. Yeah, they, they'll give my references. It's great. Yes. Yeah. It feels good. Definitely. Like, trust me, when I'm casting matches and I just, you know, you slide, you slide out a, uh, a Seinfeld reference, you know, I did one for Isaac Crute where, he, you know, somebody who is classically known to be very stoic and non-responsive to any game state um at one point there was like a, mo- a method a-, a moment where i think he had figured out that kano wasn't going to beat him and he was going to win the game and you could see that he was like there's a little bit of like emotion in him and i think it was brian gottlieb and said it's like i think this is the first time that that uh isaac Crute is is finally showing a little bit of emotion and i'm like i think it moved i think it moved like just like the george costanza when he gets the uh you know when he's uh <laughs> he gets the massage from the man yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i think it moved I think it moved. Um, anyway, uh, well, listen. Welcome to the show is what I meant yeah, to say. Thank you. That uh, is yeah. what I meant to say. Uh, let's hit you with the uh, origin story again. You're the. This is the first time for you here, so let's talk a little yeah. bit about your origin story of how you got into card games in general, but ultimately where you ended up, which is having your own podcast for Flesh and Blood, as well as playing and just being part of that you know thriving community. Yeah. So I, I grew up in a very in a small town in Iowa and we didn't have a game shop at all. Uh, I was an, I was an athlete when I was younger. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a good one, but good enough. I I mean, I played, uh, but basically a very horrific knee injury that carried through. I, my left knee was dislocated 12 times between the ages of 11 and 20, um, made it so that just playing wasn't possible anymore. So I needed something to do. And my friend base also contained a lot of people who were into stuff that were, you know, your sci-fi people, your fantasy people. And I played D and D, uh, and the star Wars CCG is where it all began for me. I know. Right. Yeah. You're in, I, and a lot of that was just my love of star Wars. Honestly, was, was the gateway drug was the fact that I already love star Wars. This is right around the same time. The special edition was coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, it was in theaters and the, card shop that we went to frequented in Mason City, Iowa, which is still there, I uh, had carried Star Wars CCG and Magic and Spellfire and X-Files. I also played X-Files at one point, but not great. Not great. <laughs> and uh, I carried all these games. And so I remember going to see episode four in the theater for the first time in my life. I uh, and also, at the, like, I think it, it was, I don't think it was the same day, uh, but it wasn't the same day that I learned to play, but that was the same day that I bought my first packs of Star Wars CCG. And I bought uh, Blackboard of Premiere, so limited Premiere, mm-hmm. uh, bought six packs, opened Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader in those six packs. Oh, and huge. the car threatened to leave me in Mason City, Iowa, uh, 53 miles from home because no one had pulled either yet. And at that point in time, I'm like, maybe I'm just lucky. And but that was enough to hook me. And then turns out the game engine is just incredible. Uh, It's a very fun game engine. I kept playing that until basically you couldn't. Uh, My entire play group, again, small town left, but there was plenty of magic players left. And so kind of transitioned to magic. I started playing magic in 96 as well. And I so I played magic off and on from like 96 until 2003, 2004, had a little bit of a hiatus. And then about 2006-ish, five or six, I really started playing that competitively and seriously. Uh, and, you know, cash some Grand Prix, top four in SCG, you know, things like that. Uh, 
was the PTQN boss or one of them in Iowa. So I I was decent, but was never never broke through really. But enjoyed the game, um, even though the community was not the Iowa community was great. The community outside of Iowa, not so much. Uh, but as one of my magic friends that uh, said, "Hey, you know, because we work, we both work at the same place, and overwork trades." Like, have you heard of Flesh and Blood? No, uh, barely. I mean, I think I've seen something posted about it somewhere on like a poster. And he's just like, "I wonder if it's any good." I'm like, okay, Facebook group, is there one? Hey, there is one. Okay. Oh, wait. There's a learn to play tonight, and then a draft. Let's just do it. Okay, cool. We go. We learn to play. We draft. I go two one, and I'm like, okay, this game engine's actually quite good, and these people are a blast. <laughs> so I'm just gonna come back, and that was a little under a year ago, about ten months ago, and yeah, that that's where my that's kind of how how it all went. And here you are. I will, yeah, here I am. I will fully say that uh, for me, Flesh and Blood has been every bit as enjoyable so far as my my peak times, my happiest times playing any other game. That's a good thing to hear because, I mean, like, listen, you went from one end of the spectrum where you're like, okay, like the community in where you're from in Iowa or whatever was great. And then the community afterwards wasn't so great right is, is kind of right. what you're yeah mm-hmm. and then here you are and you just sort of dip your toe into flesh and blood and honestly besides the game engine it, it, let me ask you this if the game engine i mean obviously is what it is which appealed to you and you enjoyed but what if the community wasn't so receptive to you what if the community not necessarily to you but like let's say you went there and you went two and one but you had a poor experience with with the people there because you mentioned that everyone there was a blast but what if it was the opposite would you stick with flesh and blood in that regard I mean, it's a tough question to to think about because let's be real. If you if you're going to enjoy something like Flesh and Blood, but every other element of it, like your only outlet to play it and enjoy it, is with people that <laughs> kind of make it kind of bad, then you know at a certain point, that's there's got to be a situation where you just pull the plug on it and walk away. So that's a this is an I mean that's an extremely interesting question, and I would say yes and no. The yes is because of the game engine, I would have invested in the game. Um, I'm already pretty well invested in the game. I do own play sets of every card um, that's ever been printed uh, to make sure I can build any deck I want to whenever I want to. And a lot of that is that I love the game, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also, you know, it is an investment when we're close to the ground floor of this game. So my belief in the game is that over time when I'm finally the mental faculties are so far gone that I can never, you know, put four cards together to do a thing ever again. Uh, I can recoup some of my investment, right? Uh, I think that the engine had me believing in investing in the game from a monetary standpoint, and I would have done that regardless, but I wouldn't have gone back and played. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, I, I just wouldn't have. No, well, that's, that's like that. I, like part of that question that I asked was also just to, to emphasize the importance of the community and the appeal. Oh, absolutely. Right, because I mean, the the draw to the game is one thing, but what hooks people and what kind of leads me to invest more than I typically would—not just saying financially, but time, effort—I wouldn't have this podcast. I wouldn't have, and I wouldn't have a career in the game if the first time I went out to the game, I had a terrible time, and it was just you know uh, yeah, a crappy I, experience. So I, it, I played Magic off and on for twenty five years and never did anything. Or wanted to engage with the the larger community on any level like this, um, and within 
you know, three months of playing Flesh and Blood, I was I had a podcast. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where where it went. Like I, this game was sort of introduced to me uh, haphazardly by a friend of mine named Lewis Woodhouse. And he's he explained me the rules and then I went to go try it out. I said, damn, I'm like, you know, and there is an appeal, obviously, to getting into the ground floor when you're looking at stuff like when I started this podcast, the only podcast that I even knew about was I heard of Arsenal Pass and that was mm-hmm. it. And I didn't jump in because I was like, oh, this is an exploitable space. There's a lot of um, there's not a lot of of stuff out there. I can easily, you know, stake my claim, drop, you know, plant my flag and, and sort of have a thing that that wasn't it, because there's a lot of games where you can do that. This was one that actually spoke to me and I said, I want to invest my time and my effort and I want to have a good time doing this and uh, yeah. that's exactly also what you did too and finding your voice and podcasting and such I mean uh, talk to me a little bit about the fact that like you mentioned you you spent so many years in other card games and um, also just tangentially here you're right the Star Wars CCG Decipher made the best rules for games I've ever seen in my life um, no offense to you know Magic Flesh and Blood all the other card games uh, little offense to Magic just a little, a little bit. Uh, uh, Star Wars CCG and Lord of the Rings CCG are the most beautifully designed games that create scenarios that actually make you feel like you're in a movie scenario. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh my god! Like, okay, there's Obi Wan and Han Solo at the cantina. Suddenly, out of nowhere, Vader and Boba Fett walk in. Sparks are going to fly. You know, it's going to be fireworks. Yeah. Chaos is going to ensue. There's going to be bodies on the ground. Things are going to, you know, things are going to go down. You got, and then there's Lord of the Rings where it's okay. You got to start at the Shire and get mm-hmm. to Mordor. And as you're going, it gets progressively more difficult, but you're recruiting more help as you're going. Mm-hmm. But you're also like, it felt desperate. It yeah. felt tough like it, you're being choked like it's the, yes. it, the world is closing in on you it does yeah. feel like that and I did play that game too oh uh, <laughs> and at the end of it all you need to do is you need to survive the last site with just frodo you can kill yep. off everyone else everybody else if, can die but if frodo lives at the end of the last sort of site you're dropping the ring in the mm-hmm. in 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 mount doom, mount and, you doom and you win yep. and it and it's beautiful it's a yeah. beautiful beautiful game anyway but None of these games prior to this, and you know, inspired you to create content for it. And 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 so, tell tell us, uh, talk to us a little bit about the development of your podcast, of the Flesh and Pod podcast, and and you know, what led you to sort of decide that I have the passion and I have the drive to make this work because it's not easy, and I know it, but a lot of other people out there might not know it. And it, you know, I wrote a, an mm-hmm. article about the the pitfalls and the realities about getting into content creation but there's a lot of people who are unaware of it so talk to us a little bit about the process the mindset and what led you to actually you know uh pushing off and and setting out on this voyage yeah so i I host a show with two other people uh, abby and jordan kennedy and they are jordan's been a friend of mine for about 10 years we met playing magic in columbus ohio and i think 2012 and when Jordan and I have very similar personalities. We are both off the rails storytellers that love to build narratives through language and have the kind of fun off the rails conversations that get vulgar sometimes. I mean, if you listen to our podcast, it's not family friendly. (laughs) Uh, And we also like, you know, sip a beverage or six. Um, But when we talked about it, the conversation, it was, it happened in uh, the calling Cincinnati. Uh, was the Genesis where we were both there. Uh, we're all three there actually. 
And I sat down with them and I said, hey, because Jordan had done magic podcasts and a baseball podcast. And I said, why don't we do a podcast? He's like, I mean, I was going to ask you the same thing. I'm like, okay, well, here's my one requirement. Abby has to be on it. And he said, done. And Abby's like, wait, what? I don't get to say. It's like, (laughs) no, we need a mediator. That's you. Sorry. And she's like, it's fine. I was going to say yes anyway. So we we built this podcast. We built this core around what we wanted, which was neither of us want to dig down and talk strategy. We want to dig into the community and the news and our opinions on what it is and call each other out if we think we're wrong or or, you know, just riff off each other when we think we're right and fly off the rails and talk about whatever, whatever just comes to mind. And some there are definitely episodes where we've gotten together and gone, hey, there's no news this week. We don't really think that's going to be probably what, 40 minutes and then an hour and a half later, like, well, oops. Uh, so I think that happens. And our voice is in is in community. And so when we first started this, we didn't think we'd have any listeners. We thought we'd do like 10 episodes, maybe if we were lucky and we'd have like a few listeners, you know, the people in our towns, you know, the, the Des Moines community would listen and the Columbus community would listen. That'd be about it. And that is just not the case at all. And we have a vibrant discord with people everywhere, uh, New Zealand, Australia, uh, Poland. Uh, yeah, just kind of everywhere. And then all, all across the United States interacting with each other. And we're like, OK, well, what did we do? How did that happen? And it just turns out that they want to listen to people that they feel are like them. And we are like them. We are not the upper echelon of this game by any stretch of the imagination. But we're people that will interact with you and talk about the same things that you are passionate about and you are interested in in ways that relate to you. We base we base a lot of our content around listener questions because a lot of them are fun, like super fun. Like one of them in our latest episode was, what is the best piece of bad advice you could give a new player starting out? And I said, you should try it as Alia. <laughs> uh, and it's stuff like that, right? Like you, you laughed. And that's what we're gunning for. We want people to be entertained, not necessarily learn how to play the game. We're not doing learn to play. We're not doing any of that. What we're doing is we're creating and trying to foster an environment where everybody's welcome. Everybody can have their their say at some point in time. Uh, Everybody's opinion is valid and provide the platform to everybody to say, look at uh, look at look at us. We are the same as you come hang out. That's all we want. Yeah, uh, being relatable is always an appealing element to any kind of uh, of show, and that's why I mean that's why I gravitate towards you just as a friend. Is at the same time because we have good discourse. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have good conversation. Like we just fired off this whole segment with a, a, a ten minute tangential nonsense about monorails and garbage. But um, I'd also like to inform people that there was a card in Star Wars CCG called Commence Primary Ignition, and its job was to blow up planets. Yes, it was it an, felt great. It was an epic event. It was amazing. Uh, but you had to build your whole deck around it. And it was one sure hell of uh, for those who want to know, I actually put on a show match with a buddy of mine, Christo, and I played Masasi base operations in order to blow up the Death Star, and he played um, uh, Set Your Course for Alderaan in order yep. to blow up Alderaan. So we had this race where I had to blow up the Death Star before he blew up Alderaan. Entron versus CPI, let's go. It was amazing. It, that video is on my YouTube, which I don't put anything on anymore, but uh, uh-huh. if you want to check it out, that video is lurking around somewhere. It's great. But um, 
Yeah, no, like the, the developing of the podcast is and, and the culture that you are sort of cultivating amidst your flesh and pod sort of community is is one that is of inclusivity. It's of mm-hmm. um, you know, it it's not and this is this is where the space becomes important to know what's out there and where where you're kind of marking your territory as it were and it's hard to explain to people because a lot of people might get intimidated if they want to enter the, the the space of podcasting because let's get real there's so many it seems like every week there's another one or two flesh and blood podcasts specifically mm-hmm. that come out and that's not a bad thing necessarily that's just if you want to do it do it i always tell people and like that the last piece of advice and partially some of the most important piece of advice i gave to people when it comes to actually getting started with the stuff is to start it's to actually start it off it's you know it has nothing to do with how good your microphone is or if your lighting is perfect or if you have the uh, uh you know a 3090 gpu on your computer to process your you know your your While audio. You're mining bitcoin yeah exactly it has nothing to do with that it has to do with the passion and the willingness to actually get get dirty and learn from the mm-hmm. the whole process and of which i love to see new podcasts and whether they succeed or fail it's the it's that it's the fact that people want to add to the conversation and if you feel like you have a place to add i mean like everyone has their space and like you mentioned you're a very you know more casual space and um yeah. and you know, Arsenal Pass is a more strategic, you know, mm-hmm. strategy, high-end level play base. And we all find our little areas to kind of have our quote-unquote expertise in. Yeah. But do you feel like there, there's kind of your, the, the space is getting crowded maybe? Do you feel like content, at least from a, a podcasting format, is sort of beaten into the ground by now? There's so many options out there. And, and to a degree, sometimes too much choice can be problematic but i mean I'll, I'll i'll you know add on to this after you give your piece but i think i think that there you know there can not never be enough but i think that more the merrier especially in the this growth yeah. spurt that flesh and bloods occur uh, having so so i'm on your show right now um oh. right and i i have my own podcast too yes and in a lot of a lot of other spaces, um, true crime or even magic or whatever, those those communities see themselves as com- see competition, right? They're fighting each other for these listens. That doesn't exist in this community, and it really feels like a, a rising tide situation where you know lifting all ships or uh how did tommy put it tommy, takes a tree to build a village no or, uh, tommy said that a rising tide takes a village to build a tree uh that's the one okay. now i may have bastardized that and put it through the ringer but it is certainly a purple monkey dishwasher scenario but it's a statement yeah yeah has a subject and a predicate it just doesn't necessarily make sense so I think that right now I agree with your statement of there can never be enough. That's inaccurate. There's, there's a, obviously a saturation point. I don't think that we're close to it. Uh, Cause I, from all the podcasts I've seen, including ours, uh, there's usually growth. There's usually more listeners. And then the more listeners that find one, find another. And we don't, you know, we don't really lose listens even when we're, farming you know we're saying go listen to you know in our discord or whatever go listen to fresh and buds go listen to living legends when it comes out uh go join uh melody and elaine spaces uh go listen to pitch perfect like 
go listen to Arsenal Pass. Like, if you want that gameplay content, go there. It's very good. Listen to, go watch Fabrica videos. They are incredible. Like, those guys in Ukraine are just perfect at what they do. It is the best gameplay videos I've seen. We drag people there all the time. But I don't know. We're not crowded right now. And I don't feel crowded right now. I feel whole. I feel a community. I feel people that I want to share this space with on a continual basis and want to help promote their content and see them succeed as well. And I don't know what the point is that will feel crowded, but I don't feel like we're there yet. No, I agree with you there. Um, it's hard to sort of go down that route and say, okay, it's going to eventually be crowded because I don't want to ever discourage anybody from, um, you know, no, uh, but but there is, uh, just like anything else, there's a saturation point. Yeah. What is it? I don't, and I don't think we're near there yet. I think that you could probably keep starting a podcast for another three years and still not hit it. Yeah, so that's, You're not wrong there. Um, I think a, a part of it might just be the fact that it depends what you want to do. Um, because... Uh, <sighs> It's hard to it's hard to it's hard to do this and not come off as being like gatekeeping on this. It, 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 I would say, I would say this is more so as a situation of like, um, not warning, but you know, it's it, it's advice to be heeded in the sense that if you do want to partake in this, you know, that it's not all glamorous and such, and you do need, oh. yeah, you do definitely need to find yourself a little corner or a cubby of. Uh, where you specialize because I don't touch strategy uh, I don't produce deck techs and stuff like that because it's not something I'm good at and I know that there's way better options out there but in the same regard one thing I, I feel I do well is is putting spotlight on community members and and asking the right questions and much like you have a very um, you know a very lighthearted, great discussion great conversation I was on uh, flesh and pod recently um, I got to meet and speak with a lot of these people we had well, it was like the roundtable that we we did, right? Yep. And that was a phenomenal discussion, and and I felt that I, I like I felt that once you know just being part of there, I knew exactly what the vibe was, and I knew what I was what to expect to a degree and and such, and um, and and yeah, I mean, crowded spaces in in terms of podcasting, I think that the problem is is that there's such a thirst for content out there that people are just gobbling this stuff up, like just some of the tweets that. I get or I'm I'm included on and such of people saying, all right, well, like I've listened to about, you know, three or four podcasts already this week. I've got to go to the gym tomorrow. I've got nothing to listen to. Like when's the next yep. episode's coming out? You know, there's people who are constantly trying to fill. And I, I feel this too, because I just jammed through. I'm on my second complete Sopranos uh, rewatch. <laughs> well, I've done, I've, done, I've done the rewatch for Sopranos twice already. I've done, I've already watched the series multiple times, but I just listened to uh, uh, um, the entirety of a show called Pod Yourself a Gun, which was a more comedic take on a Sopranos rewatch. And now I'm doing Talking Sopranos with Michael Imperioli and Steve Sherpa, aka oh, okay. Chris Moltisanti and Bobby Bacala. And now mm -hmm. they're going through it all. And it's like, damn, like when you love something, you can never get enough of it. Right. And it's Agreed. just, yeah. yeah. And it's just on all the time. Like it's on when I'm taking a shower. It's on while I'm brushing my teeth. It's on while I'm making lunch, dinner, whatever. When I go on my walks, if as long as I'm not in discussion with somebody, I have something on and, and yeah, you run out. And 
like I'm starting to yeah I'm kind of starting to feel Logan that like you're spot on when it says like two or three years down the road we might have like a hundred podcasts but it might feel like only five because you're blowing through them so fast yeah there's in like with uh, Jordan calls it his content consumption loop uh, where he listens to very specific shows on a daily basis and still has room to add more wow and it's like okay well one that level of organization is something I would aspire to in my life and fail at completely. Uh, I just kind of plug in and go. I don't really pay attention to the thing that my phone is playing while there's mm-hmm. headphones on. Um, I rarely listen to my show. If I mean, because I was there when I recorded it. Why the hell do I have to listen to it? Um, I, I'm the same way. <laughs> it's bad. I understand it. I already have I'm, my voice in my head when I'm thinking. Do I really want to listen to my stupid nonsense voice like yeah i hate my i hate the sound of my voice uh i really do it's it's <laughs> odd as much as i talk but uh, i i mm, see this, these sometimes are, it grates on me these are the, the the hidden little pitfalls of content creation when you have to come to terms with certain things like your the sound of your own voice i hated my own voice for a long time and now i've only it's only recently that i've i've been like yeah i'm all right with it it is who i am oh, and what well, can i, I say mean, well, in honestly, in college, uh, I was a rhetoric major. A a what? Sorry, R- rhetoric. Oh, of okay. Uh huh. My my degrees are my degree is in rhetoric. My minors are philosophy, religion, and English. Perfect. So uh, yeah, I am well qualified to drive a cab, tend a bar. Uh, I've got all those <laughs> things nailed down. But it helps in a lot of ways to craft language, right? Because you're looking for the available means of persuasion. And I can be fairly persuasive. I mean, you were dumb enough to come on my show, but I, that was obviously in jest that I, you were, it was so great to do that round table from my perspective, because I had a list of people that I wanted on the show and I had my backups in case somebody said no. And then nobody said no. Of course not. Why would we say no? Okay. I guess everybody's in cool. This sounds great. And Jordan's like, I don't know how you did that. I'm like, I asked, honestly, I did nothing else. Dude. All the time. You know how this happens to me? People come to me sometimes and ask me and they're like, uh, they'll, they'll either ask me about being on something and I can honestly count on one hand over four or five years of my life that I've ever said no to appearing on a show. And most of, the, of that on one hand, probably half of that is because of scheduling issues and such. Mm-hmm. But I've never, I think maybe once or twice in my life have I just declined and said, I'm not interested. Thank you so much for, for asking. Um, right. But I mean, you know, like it's it's people ask me and they say like, hey, what are the chances that, you know, I, I could get somebody like Tarek Patel on the show? I'm like, dude, just shoot him a ask DM him. and ask him. Right. Man. Like, like they're like, how do you do it? I'm like, a very simple. I send a DM and then I wait for a response. Uh, that's yeah. basically it. And, you know, it's 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 amazing how many people like, for instance, James White. The first time I had James White on in January like I, I, somebody mentioned to me, they're like, oh, did you know that, you know, your podcast, like we listened to it in the offices in New Zealand. I forgot who mentioned it to me. They're like, yeah, the people from LSS listen to it. I said, that's amazing. That's awesome. So I just haphazardly shot a message to James and said, hey, would you be interested in answering a few questions and whatever? I'll give them to you all in advance and like anything you don't want to talk about. And he's like, F yeah, let's get on this. Let's do this. And he was, I'm like, all right, there you go. I mean, if I can get him, I can get anybody in that case. Right. So. Yeah, he, he literally signed a hockey jersey with our logo on it uh, that is blatant copyright infringement and signed it. Thank you for infringing on my copyright, James White. <laughs> He's a legend. So he is a legend. The The guy is uh, I I really am waiting for the James White heel turn 
at some point. I think it'll be great if it happens and he's going to play it perfectly. Oh, and then he'll have the face turn behind it and we'll all just be celebrating him even more so. I think, I, you know so. what, there's definitely some basis there. I mean, him and I have had many conversations that had wrestling overtones to it. And um, I will say this. I, I, it is my mission, as, as long as I am involved in Flesh and Blood, which for me, I hope that I'm 20 years down the line still calling matches, and you guys are going to be like, that. the old guy is still here. Um, but as long as I'm around, I will be pressuring James. Yes, you, James, if you're listening. I will be pressuring you to create some sort of invitational wrestling-style event where it's like eight people, it's, a, it's just a bracket, but it, it comes with, you know, entrance music, pyro, the whole nine yards, a crowd, crowd yeah. of people signs up. Uh, they will go. Basically, they would go into like a soundproof booth. But myself, um, you know, that hack tan and grace, uh, uh, that professional Brian Gottlieb and Stephen uh, Cookus, a.k.a. Armada Red Zone will all be there and we will be on the desk yelling and screaming and the whole uh, we want the whole audience to hear it because we want to go over the top but they would be in a soundproof booth not being able to kind of hear it, what's going on outside and i think that that would be amazing and james if you're listening please please grant me this wish it'd be my pleasure to do the backstage promos if that ever happens oh my uh, god to, in, to do the backstage interviews and let them cut promos because i can imagine the promo that like hayden would cut or let Tarek go, you know, just let him get full guard and let him just start roasting, you know, encourage I, it, stoke the flames, uh, find your heels. Let's go. Dude, there are some actual legends out there who would be just killer on the microphone cutting promos. I think Tarek, first of all, Tarek is, you know, when people are just too freaking good at everything, like. Tarek's like, yeah, I just came back. Yeah. I'm a doctor, national champion, mm -hmm. and I just shot like a 78 on the golf course. And uh, I've only shot 78 once in my life. Yeah, it's like um, okay, mm. like we get it. Okay, but uh, he yeah, would, that's nice. Like he is. I don't know how many of you out there are kind of wrestling fans or know anything, but he's kind of like an MJF, um, you know, in terms I, of heel status. In my, I in think my, he's Kurt Hennig. I think oh, he's Mr. Perfect. He is kind of Mr. Perfect. Yeah, I yeah, mean. I, I think uh, I think Brendan Patrick is a little bit more MJF-ish. Oh, that's good. Yes, uh, and that we and that yeah, Tarek is definitely Mister Perfect. He is out He's... there dr drilling threes and cup and cup and chip shots and just talking about how easy it is. So, yeah. oh, I can see that in a heartbeat. But then you'd have to you'd have to slam in some faces in there and whatnot. But like the heels are the fun ones, and this is what I've always tried to drive home when it comes to this is that you the, you it doesn't necessarily have to be um you know a cut and dry tournament with you know the same cookie cutter format and whatever like let's add some spice to it i mean i get it it's pro tour that's the big dog same thing with uh worlds you know you got to respect those but i think that a once a year invitational theme tournament or like twice a year maybe something for fun it doesn't even have to be like high stakes in terms of no. prize like if the prize money, if the investment goes into production and just, you know, like, like, let's all go to Hawaii, like, like, let's get, let's get everybody to Hawaii or somewhere or Florida or Orlando somewhere or nice. somewhere nice and warm. Yeah. Let's set up a place and let's get, let's, let's invite eight people, 
you know, eight of the best in the world or the, the most, you know, prolific or the people that, you know, would put on a good show. L, like, you know, LSS funds it or whatever. Small prize pool. Like, literally, like a thousand bucks to the winner. Yeah, but, but, whatever. But their trip is paid, right? You know, like the mm-hmm. flight and accommodation there, it's there for a two-day event or a one-day event. It's all good. And that's it. It's a celebration of the game. And I think that you could probably knock something out of the park for like a hundred grand that is really uh, probably pretty good. good. Yeah, that people would pay attention to, that's for sure. Uh I mean, Rob Seigel, the monster heel. Oh. And then I mean we can build a stable right now. And it would be legendary. Well, uh it'd be the four horsemen of, of flesh and blood. Yeah, that would be like it's like Tarek, uh Seigel. Um I'm sure you'd have like I don't know if Matt Rogers would kind of slide in there and Sasha Markovich. I think it's Brennan. I think Brendan Patrick would have to go into that sta- that stable. Because um, Hayden can't. Hayden is like the Hayden, jo- no, Hayden's too nice. Too he's good. Like, he's like, like the John Cena of. Yeah, he's hustle, loyalty, respect. Yeah. Uh, so we got we got to put him with the faces. But Seigel and uh, and Tarek and and Brendan and then we slot in some uh, the we we need this the the quiet assassin of that group. Uh, we can put Yuki in there, I guess, and oh. and so they can have the Terminator uh, to just end everybody, dude. Oh my God! Captain Canada would just go in there and she would slay everyone's. Oh my God! Yeah, she'd be the hot tag that just came in to to, <laughs> to clear the ring. Just yeah, clothesline, clothesline, choke slam, clothesline. Just absolutely deficit. Oh yeah, it's like when Kane is like he comes yeah. out from from Royal right. for a Royal Rumble. When Kane comes in at like and let's go. Kane rocks in at like twentieth out of 30 yeah. you know there's still like 10 bodies in the ring and he just goes in and cleans house oh mm-hmm. my god that is like the dream um all right we are way off the rails again Who we did cares, it man i F know. the rails dude that's listen i started this entire <laughs> process by spilling coffee on all my valuables so it doesn't matter oh there's that's true yeah yeah uh all <laughs> right well let's let's walk in a little bit about the lore of the card games because i know that like just looking at what's behind you you're obviously very um, you know, you're very intimately connected to just the, the sort of the source material about a bunch of things. And I'm sure that, mm-hmm. I mean, let's be real. You didn't buy Star Wars cards because you like cards. You bought Star Wars cards you like because you like Star Wars, right? And yeah. it's the same way for me. And that's kind of was my gateway into card gaming was mm-hmm. liking the source material, liking what it was based on and the lore behind it. And here is Flesh and Blood. And it was might have been a harder sell because if Flesh and Blood came out as a Star Wars card game with the same rules... Imagine you have heroes. Like imagine it wasn't Katsu, it was like Luke Skywalker as a Jedi or something like that. You know? That that the selling point for this would have been enormous because it would have had a marketing behemoth behind it. But you mm-hmm. have to sell the game in this regard, and then the lore kind of sneaks up on you. And somebody who's very you know, very linked and, and knowledgeable about the lore is like Steven Armada. Uh well, I call mm-hmm. him Steven Armada. Steven Cook is aka Armada. He knows a lot about this, and it has started to hook me. And I want to ask you what you particularly know about the lore, if anything, because I know nothing about it, but I'm starting to get hooked on it. So tell us a little bit about your knowledge of the lore and your what, how it appeals to you. So I think I'm a little I think I'm in the same spot you are where the lore was not the first thing I cared about. Uh, I, I didn't identify at, at first with a specific hero and their motivations or anything like that. I identified with the game and the community. But that's starting to creep up on me a lot. Uh, and it kind of started with in, in Everfest, honestly. And the card that got me was blood on her hands. Like, why is Kasai staring at her face in a pool of blood that she's holding in her hands? What happened? 
and then you go through that and you find out, you know, she was the daughter of a, of a general and, and, an, and, a um, and a warrior and then became, you know, they, they were slaughtered, became a mercenary and that's the copper token motivation and stuff like that. And I'm like, and that's a lot of paraphrasing. I know I'm not exactly right. Do not put me in correction corner, but it's, it was that I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, this is just badass. Like, this is awesome. What else is there? Then find out about Volcor and Kano and how all that works. And then you find out about, you know, and then I went and listened to quite a bit of the reading of the lore book on YouTube uh, and kind of went down that rabbit hole and learned a little bit more about the heroes themselves. And I did not, I mean, I did it as a background thing, so I didn't pay as much attention as I should have. And my intention is to someday read the full lore book because I, I capture more when I read than when I listen. Mm -hmm. So, but I think that they have built very good lore. It just took me some time to be to have any investment in it. And I in almost every card game that's not Star Wars, I've always been become invested in the lore through art. And that's the same thing here where I saw an art, you know, piece of art and went that what why is that? And then immediately hopped in and, and started going through it. It's uh, that I mean, that's a. a great way to get looped into something or just to get hooked i mean you're right and and blood on our hands is a very good indication of kind of that there's you know the picture tells a thousand words in this case it's like wow like and you go find those thousand words to support mm -hmm. what that picture means and same thing with like all right like you look at like mcgenshi release or lord of wind you're like what the hell's going on over here does he have right. does he have some sort of connection to wind and you know the kind of things like that like what's going on here you know there's other it, it draw it, it drags you in in that regard and then you kind of want more because the way that uprising right now is being marketed it's kind of like they're dropping these like pockets of lore and story on you and mm -hmm. that gets the gears turning in your head and the hamster's doing double time on the wheel and you're like okay what can we expect you know and then you're kind of piecing together so that it's fun in that regard but the but is 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 flesh and blood kind of destined to i mean look look at your room look at my room i'm in mm -hmm. you know there's, I, I say crap. I mean, I don't mean it like literally, but there's like crap all over the place. You know, I got comic books everywhere. I've got my Star Wars figurines over there, my collection. I got this, the statues, the whatever. They're everywhere. And, you know, I'm, if I'm first to say that if Flesh and Blood came out with like a, you know, those really high detail kind of figurines or whatever the like artifacts a, ones yeah yeah i would just i'd be like yeah give me all of them dude like all yeah. like i don't care how much they are 30 40 bucks a piece like just like the first wave of four like imagine they're like give you the wraith heroes you got all right you got dorinthia reinar katsu bravo that's the first wave they're 30 34.99 a piece insta buy full pack let's go like is flesh and blood destined for this is this is this something that they're they're never going to be a digital client is what they keep saying but is is this uh another avenue for them they are uh they, they are rapidly building a valuable ip um an intellectual property that has value and they're building a story through characters that has value and once the characters within the story have value they have value outside of the story. And that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, you're talking about how those those characters that we have in our mind and how they act in our mind play out in our hands uh, behind me, like right here. These are this is Wolverine and Jubilee from the X-Men animated series from the 90s. These were oh, just yeah. released. Da -na 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 -na. Exactly. Da -na -na -na. Yeah, that one. And they have they came in VHS boxes that are behind them. 
uh, to represent how you would have had to rent them from Blockbuster, Family Video, whatever you had when you were when you were that in 1994. Uh, that nostalgia market is huge, and having a physical representation of those characters for you uh, to to kind of identify with because identity is a big deal, but. Uh, in this case, people do identify with some of these heroes, and there is huge opportunities to to release these characters in different media, uh, whether it be you know a, a show like Arcane with that's League of Legends characters. Precisely what I was trying to get, well, not trying to get to, but that's the first thing that came to mind. And I haven't seen Arcane. Uh, I'm only now recently re getting acclimated to Runeterra. I was there at the ground floor. I played a bunch of it kind of fell out of favor with me but everyone kept saying like you know the characters of arcane from league of legends and from room terror or whatever even wh whether you want you know the game and the characters or not the show in itself is very good but i mean it imagine having a great show based on a an ip or something that you're so invested in and you're so intimately linked to if flesh and blood came out with a show of that caliber dude like that is just like this might be what everybody's just aching waiting for, for. Yeah. yeah imagine a scene where you have dorinthia and bravo fighting back to back and being overwhelmed by by these minions that are coming out of the you know this 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 army coming out at them and all of a sudden you see this gust of wind fly through and bodies start piling up all the, all of a sudden and then the tingle you feel when katsu just like appears out of the mist and walks up and and then basically starts trash talking or whatever katsu's gonna do <laughs> Um, he just shows up. That, like, What's up, bitches? It's like okay, it's totally yeah, it's off like, character. This, was this a problem? Because <laughs> this wasn't that rough, honestly. Uh, I mean, they weren't paying attention. So, it, you know, something like that, where where you have that kind of, uh, you can build some character, per, some person, more personality. Like we know that we know that Lexi gets gets going in the bar. We've seen the card. Uh, we know that Olam sits there with a beer the size of everybody else's head and just goes hmm. I don't wanna, you know, yeah. it's kind of Eeyore. So, <laughs> uh, we kind of have some of those personalities and we know that Bravo is basically Gaston. So it's, you know, we, we know some of that, but to see, to see them take the direction and amplify it in a way that creates even larger amounts of identity, I, I believe it'd be a misstep not to. I, I tend to agree. I mean, I feel like it maybe not now. I think that right now LSS is in a position where they have to catch up to their own success and just kind of make sure yeah. that they're not chasing their own tail in terms of how fast they're going. But when they're ready to hire for creative, uh, Matt and I are both available and oh. uh, we are ready to help you uh, make your dreams come true. I, uh, my, like, I, I have, I'm five years plus into working with CDPR for Gwent. I have yeah. done everything possible in order to voice a card. I have inquired. I have worked with them and championed that game forever. All I want is to be a voice of a card, you know, like, mm -hmm. and uh, I, don't, I told them, I said, I don't even want to be the art on a card. I don't think I deserve that. But let me voice a card. And I'm telling you right now, Legend Story. You deserve it. Well, like, honestly, you probably deserve it. Maybe I listen. It is what it is. Uh, what I say is that there are there are people within the community that deserve it be ahead of me, and I'm I'm well aware of that, and and I'm fine. But not ever like everybody can have their likeness on a card, but not everyone might have the same voice talents and such that broadcasters like yourself and myself might have. And you know, um, I listen. Mm -hmm. If ever there's a Legend Stories backed flesh and blood TV show or you know, 
digital, you know, internet series or whatever web series. I mean, I could uh, probably fit in for a character or two. I don't know which one I could do. I don't think I've got the chops for Bravo, but no, no but my DMs are open. I mean, uh, I, I can I can be done. I you know, it's I don't have to voice anything. I'd be happy to just write it. Oh, well, uh, yeah. or to or or just do concept stuff like whatever. I don't need to voice anything. I mean, I have a face for radio, the voice not so much, but that's uh, that's not true. I'm very pretty. I'm I'm very pretty. You're gorgeous, but, man. Uh, yeah, I know, right? It's just a it's just a curse. But the uh, you know, and I was a the, another weird thing that this might just interest you was that uh, my original major in college was television broadcast. Um, which is go. why the lighting in this room is insanely obsessive. Um, it's a very small room and I insisted on a fill light and it's still impossible for me to get this the way I want it to. Um, but it's close as I'm going to get for now. And I need to do some soundproofing stuff still, but yeah, I get obsessive about that type of thing because I was trained to do it. Now me and my um, <laughs> political science degree, I'll tell you why your room can't be, <laughs> can't be traded with competing ideological nations we'll, we'll, i don't know we'll table that when we're not we'll table that when we're not on wax yeah we'll figure but, it out uh but we'll yeah that's but yes i i mean i did broadcast things because i was intrigued by broadcasting and i one of my favorite stories is and i'll tell you this i'll tell you the full story sometime one of my favorite stories was having a uh, tom brokaw ride shotgun in my 1987 mercury cougar so you're you know. going too fast <laughs> the story is the story is quite good um but it well, was... we can we can I mean this one we're 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 already like over on uh, oh, yeah, on time crushing on we're, time we're so. crushing we do have another segment in fact we're actually axing an entire other uh, topic of discussion because we did talk about the monorail for probably fifteen minutes and <laughs> the, the ten minute monorail conversation was probably too much for who that's I mean, not too much I mean whatever yeah get out of town buddy like let's be real all right. Well, Mr. Logan Peterson, that has been uh, our, our first, well, your first segment, my second segment, but we're going to be moving on to segment three, which is the go again segment. I hope that you will join us I for this. get to go again. You do get to go again right after this BCW commercial ad uh, thing that I'm... Break, break, break. We'll, we'll call it a break. All right, call BCW break. break coming up. ISP is always brought to you by BCW Supplies. Go to bcwsupplies.com. Use the code ISP10. Yes, that's ISP10. Get 10% off the already low prices at bcwsupplies.com. Now, BCW Supplies is one of those awesome, um, you know, card uh, accessorizing protection things. They do so much more than cards, though. Are you a comic collector? You can see in the back of my wall. I got comics galore. Some of them are slabbed. Some of them are just protected. Coins as well. Vinyls, records, things like that. They do so much more than just card protection. But cards are your jam. That's their mind. Go to bcwsupplies.com. Use the code ISP10. Get 10% off your first, second, third, nine millionth order if you so choose. Support the channel as well bcwsupplies.com code isp10 all right ladies and gentlemen it is time to go wide on logan peterson as we go again on a series of rapid fire questions little pew pew and uh, i mean i would be remiss if i didn't let you kind of spread your wings and fly a little bit on these because you know what i i'm not for this isn't tinder friends no one word answers on this <laughs> oh boy all right ready to rock and roll uh, I'm going to swipe right. Let's go. I like it. All right. Number one. What is your hidden talent, Mr. Logan Peterson? Archery. Archery. 
Oh, I grew up. Uh, I learned to shoot a bow when I was four years old and competed in archery tournaments until I was 13 or 14. Uh, and I competed in the non-sights division, so I do not use sights on a bow. I shoot purely by instinct. You the man. I love it. Beautiful. Logan Cupid Peterson, straight up right here <laughs> on the show. I have not ever pierced anybody's heart with an actual arrow. Yet. Hang tight. Yes. Exactly. No, no, no. There's opportunity. Instinct shooting. That's the, I like that. Uh, next one is, what is the greatest card game you have ever played? We might know Come this Come on, one. man. Come on. It's Star Wars CCG. Downright. Like, the, the, I will say that uh, Flesh and Blood does have an opportunity to, to dethrone it at some point. But that system and the way that it creates epic events and the feels that you're in the movie is just unparalleled good. Well, the, listen, um, Flesh and Blood, I love you. I love you so much. I love you so, so much. But it's like, you know what? Like, it's one of those things where if, if I'm with somebody, if I'm dating somebody and Shakira knocks on my door, I'm like, I don't, I don't care, man. Like, we, yeah, Addy, dude, if they just revived Star Wars CCG, I would, like, sorry, I would just drop everything and jump back yep. into Star Wars CCG in a heartbeat. I love yeah, that game. Not even close. It would just be, well, Everything else I have is now a uh, back burner and yeah. does not matter to me. And uh, Lord Vader's coming and knocking on the door again. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get that lightsaber out and get humming. It's a perfect it's a perfect storm for me because I like long game card like card games that last a while. I don't like the the, the point click go face like Hearthstone seven minute slow matches. Burn attrition. Yeah, I like that. Exactly. I like that slow burn, that strategy of like the. I like opportunity to be able to come back. I hate that kind of stuff. And one thing I will say is I do love the fact that Flesh and Blood is a longer game. Like you play mm -hmm. like standard games are between 30 to 40 minutes. Like you go, you go to, you know, you go to the end of the rope and you have the, the back and forth. Flesh and Blood also does momentum immensely well. Mm -hmm. It does the resource system very, very well. But man, it's the most incredible part of the game. Like, yes. Honestly. And, but let's get real, dude. Like nothing nothing tops in terms of first of all also um star wars is so complex it makes magic the gathering look like tic-tac-toe it makes it's, it's construction paper and crayons man it like, is it's it's like it's not you're doing like you know like the highest tier of calculus and then going to magic and and you know uh you know trying to match shapes through through holes that's kind of like the uh, difference ima imagine memorizing your pitch stack but also that your opponent is ripping cards off the top of your library uh, to the fact that you have to remember what count that they're at in the deck to have your pitch deck actually memorized to draw the cards you need to finish the game. Correct. Destiny tracking. That's Star Wars. That's Star That's Wars. one of the easier parts. It came with a glossary that was like an inch thick. Inch thick, yeah. In order for every small little random interaction. Like, you know how they just came out with like CR2, like 2.0, like the convert yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, like CR 2.0 and all the like intricate little interactions are like Bobo uh, compared to <laughs> Star Wars. It's ridiculous. It's true. Um, that said, yeah, I agree with you there, man. And I'm actually uh, I'm actually slated to play in a Star Wars CCG retro tournament this week. So through what set? Uh, it's premiere through Death Star 2. So OK, through DS2. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's the only that's the only format I play and. Yeah, I like I actually like through CC, um, but that's gets a little more uh, thematic, I guess. Yeah, uh, there's less good stuff decks. 
that's well that's yeah like the eventually it all kind of boils down to what's the best shell to beat the crap out of people with the epps mm-hmm. but it's all other podcast uh it, is really, it really is all right speaking of which uh number three on the question list here is what defines a successful podcast the community around it uh when you build a real community of people around a podcast you have built something that brightens the lives of people and i know that you know for me specifically this is not i our podcast doesn't have any monetization behind it or anything else at the moment we that wasn't something that we even thought about because we never thought we'd be have any reason to uh or have any opportunity to either but the community we've built is one of the proudest things i have and uh, the way that our community embraces everybody makes me feel like that is the success and i think that everybody everybody that does a show that has a a podcast has a youtube channel has whatever will define that success differently but for me that community growth that community aspect and how we interact with those around us that enjoy what we do is the hallmark of success good answer uh who inspires you logan peterson that's a that's a hard one um mainly because i'm uh i'm of the type of person that takes a little bit from here and a little bit from there and doesn't really uh latch on to any one person or thing uh you know quotes people's thoughts the conversations you've had uh i will read william s burroughs and and take pieces from there vladimir nabokov you know russian authors uh Immanuel Kant, a lot of philosophy, a uh, Heraclitus, the father of all philosophy. Uh, it's the, the admiration part is that at the end of the day, every single one of these people are human. They are the same as me in the fact that we're all made of the same stuff, right? We're all flesh and blood, you know, to kind of tie some, you know, make a tie in here. Uh, and we all have our flaws. None of us are a perfect mix of anything. And I believe that admiration really is reserved for moments and not for people. Uh, you admire how people act in spots of adversity. You admire people in how in, in the in the courage and discipline and decision making that they have in you know in times of crisis or when they had an opportunity to be horrible and weren't. Uh, those are more where my admiration comes from is in moments and not in specifically a who inspires me. Uh, but that being said, probably Walter Cronkite. I mean, sure. Uh, yeah. ma- mainly because I, I, you know, the, the new cycle, the cycle of news that is, uh, that is as it is today, where it's mainly, uh, it's terrifying, honestly, I was started with William Randolph Hearst and yellow journalism in the early 1900s. And, uh, you had a kind of a break because Cronkite said, miss me with that and presented news as news. And held the, you know, stuck by that for his entire life and legacy. Uh, and he could have just taken the bag and got paid and done the sensationalism and just decided not to. He decided it was more important to inform the world. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from anybody is, we lost Cronkite, we lost the war in reference to Vietnam. So uh, that, I guess, if we're, if we're going to do a who, we're, we're going to go with that one. That's because it was pure integrity. It would have been hilarious if you gave that beautiful kind of like preface to leading up to just being like you know saying all those wonderful things and being like so if i had to pick one person it would have been adam sandler it's like oh okay 
Nope. <laughs> no, no, definitely not that. Um, go listen to the song Medium Pace and yeah. understand medium pace. medium pace and understand how that can never be anyone that you actually admire on that level. <laughs> uh, what is your most ambitious flesh and blood goal? Just to close. Um, I spent my entire magic career never winning a PTQ. I was an end boss a lot of times. Um, I only ever qualified for the pro to run rating. Uh, and I would like to just win one, right? Uh, to just get there one time to kind of prove that I don't, you know, the, I can get past it. I can, I can win in that moment. Uh, I can feel like, like I can get over the hump, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the last two weeks I've lost in the top eight twice. Like I'm already carrying it over baby. So I, I would just like to be able to say that, uh, that I qualified on my own merit for the highest level of play. That's a respectable goal to have. Uh, I can echo that for sure. Sometimes it's just, you want to, you want to take one home, right? And yeah. Uh, what is your most precious collectible? This is insanely difficult. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of stuff around me. Um, you may have noticed that there's quite a bit of it. I've just got into collecting original pages of comic book art. Uh, downstairs in my basement is one of the original McFarland 18 inch, uh, army of darkness, talking motion sensitive ash toys. Uh, I also, I randomly on a mannequin head on a bookcase in my living room is an original concert war and slipknot mask. Don't oh, ask. Okay. That is also a pretty good story. Uh, and of all those things, I think it's, I mean, right here, I put it next to me. This is, this is just it's a random comic. It's crisis on infinite earths. Uh, number three which is not one of the more important you know, issues in, in this cycle, but it's signed by George Perez. Uh, Who recently passed away. He did. Uh, George Perez was, when you think of good human beings and you think of the qualities that make a good human being, you just end up describing George Perez. Uh, never a bad word about anybody. Kindness spilled out of him. Uh, every time that he talked, every time that he smiled, he treated everybody like they mattered. Uh, he did. His, he he poured himself into his work. It, the the making again. I talked to you about this. The people that brighten the lives of others are the thing that is, or the people that are the most valuable to me. And that is just George Perez. And that is the only book I have that is signed by him. And it was gifted to me because I uh, had a bunch of stuff I was trying to get signed by him, and then. Uh, he he went into hospice, and I, I I never put any stock in signatures. I don't have a ton of autographs. Uh, that's just not. I don't I don't buy. I don't need proof that I met a person, right? And that's I, how yeah. they, they feel to me. And that's not to to besmirch other people that enjoy autographs. That's just a me thing. Uh, but that one is important to me, uh, just because of, of who he was, and that's why, like magic cards, I have Chris Chris Rush signed stuff that I had Chris sign. Because he was that type of person too. Mm-hmm. He was just good to everyone. Uh, and so that's and, and so that's probably right now I would say that's my most precious collectible. It's not my most valuable by any stretch, but it's definitely my most precious. Precious and value are different things, right? They're two different things. Uh one change that you would make to the Skywalker saga. Oh man. Um, is it just uh canonizing the Zon trilogy? Does that count? 
Oh, the, uh, Timothy's not well. I they're kind of redoing the the Thrawn uh, a little bit with Thrawn coming, but we don't have Mara Jade talent Talon card any of that. No um, Karn Horn, none of that. Right, none of the we do. Uh, so Flake. Oh, did I miss um, up on something? Obi Wan Episode Two. Have you uh, watched Obi Wan? No, I have not. So did I just okay. get completely gooned no, on this? You did not. Okay, nope, don't no, no, say no. anything. You, don't say anything. I'm watching only, it this weekend. My only. My only word of advice is pay attention. Will do. I can. Okay. Absolutely. I'm very good at picking out the Holy Moses. Is that X, Y, Z? So don't say anything. Please I'm not going to say a word. Okay. Uh, but the the change I'd probably make to the Skywalker saga is uh, refocusing more on Leia and her experience and her journey. Uh, and they're starting to do that a little bit. But I think that that Zahn did that quite a bit in in Heir to the Empire and in the Zahn trilogy, where you get more of a background of Leia's experience. Yes. And I feel like uh, while Luke Skywalker is, you know, obviously they built him to be the hero and face of, of the franchise. I think Leia's story is more interesting. Oh, it's definitely and more interesting. In my opinion, I would, t- I would tell that story. Um, I, that's I would just refocus the entire saga on that story. And put everything else in the background. I would have loved to have seen the kind of like, like, why is it that after Return of the Jedi, they're still ragtag and they're still struggling? Like, yeah, right. Why is it that you have you have Coruscant, you have the the hub of the galaxy on your side, you have every other nation kind of uh, nation, every other country, country, world, Jesus, world you know system is out there supporting your cause there should be a rallying point it's sh- in my opinion it should have been you know much like the phantom menace had a lot of political undertones to sort of drive the mm-hmm. narrative like it could have been something similar where it was like the growing pains of of creating a brand new organization and having leia at the helm and because mm-hmm. leia and- was in my opinion leia was like the most out of in my like leia was the most badass character that uh, maybe aside from by a mile Solo, by a yeah, mile on- on the light side, yeah, on the side of the rebellion, absolutely. Like, like by a mile. Take you know, grab life by the balls and just get it. it she was essentially the 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 pinnacle of just it needs to be done. Let's get it done. I don't care. When she what, walks up. When she walks up to Tarkin and she's just like, oh, I had expected to be holding Vader's leash with Vader standing right there, yeah. like just oh. enough shade to just to keep a planet bereft of sunlight for a decade. Oh just my, perfect, beautiful. Beautiful. I recognize your stench when you came like when I came aboard. Yeah. It's like, oh, bitch, please just get him, just slap him. God, she's so good. Evacuate now, in a moment of triumph, and then bam, get the hell out of yeah, here, Tarkin. Get him done. Oh god, I, I have to agree with you there. I mean, that's a that's definitely a, um, a good one. All right, last question, Logan Peterson. What is your walkout music? This has changed a lot. Um, over the years when I was younger, um, in college specifically, my hair was dyed black. The beard was dyed black. I wore a black trench coat a lot, um, black boots. And so I was just going to be ACDC back and back. I was going to have a, a backpack with speakers built into it and just blare it whenever I walked into a room. I, nowadays, as I've gotten older, um, right now would probably be something. It'd either be like Billy Talent, Reckless Paradise or uh, Boy Sets Fire after the eulogy, I think would be my two picks, uh, if, depending on just our mood, because, you know, everybody has two two songs right. anymore. But S Club uh, 7 is not on the list. No, no. OK, sorry. All right. No, Still that's for you. Grabs. You can keep that one. That's for Hayden Dale. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> that is definitely for Hayden Dale for his being the baby face uh, of the. Yep. Uh, I like it. Well, 
Mr. Logan Peterson, this has been a uh, a pleasure and a joy to have you on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, it is something that I wanted to do for quite a while, and uh, someone who I've met a few times and hung out with. Um, I also I also beat you at uh, Jackbox, which was you cool. did. Um, it was funny because you decided to trash talk third place, but uh, I was in second. So yes, you did. You did beat me. I ain't gonna. True. I ain't gonna trash talk you. First of all, you invited me to play. That's true, right? Yeah. And so I was gonna go in there and look. I, I listen. I literally just picked the skinniest, shortest dude in the room and said, "F you, I win." And then I strutted around like a like a peacock. I called him a Muppet. I did. I did call him um, a Muppet. And then I he, literally just poof ninja dusted my way out of yeah, there. And you never saw me. He has actually em- embraced the Muppet uh, nickname at this point, too. Oh, has he? <laughs> uh, he has. So you did a solid. Oh, um, you, to who? You, for who? <laughs> uh, for, for all for, of you. For Ben, yeah. Well, oh, enough to. Okay. So. Well, listen, I'm glad that he has embraced it. I, I, I'm, I, it came from a, a place of love, let's just say. Well, there we go. That's all that matters. All right, Logan. Well... Please let us know. You obviously have the Flesh and Pod podcast. Uh, give yep. us the coordinates, the details, and where people can get more Logan Peterson. Yep. Uh, Flesh and Pod podcast. We're on all the major podcast outlets. Uh, we're also on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at Flesh Pod. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Logan Peterson. Peterson is P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N. There are no O's. Don't put any in there. There's an O in Logan. There's none in Peterson. Uh, and I'm usually tweeting about flesh and blood anymore and occasionally some politics and sports, but very rarely. Uh, and then also our discord server is linked under our Twitter and is in our show notes uh, of the podcast. And please come and join us. We, uh, <laughs> we have a good time and we don't take ourselves too seriously. That's kind of our hallmark. Uh, and we, but we do have serious conversations sometimes it does happen. I love uh, it. So well, please come in and hang out. Well, I do definitely recommend everybody go check it out. Um, again, you see, like Logan is 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 basically as advertised, and it's just a great person. And I have someday to... Flick might follow me on Twitter too. It might actually happen. Did I not do know. that? You're you do not follow me on Twitter. I uh, that's my bad. Let's just rectify that right now, shall we? I I don't I just mean... felt like I needed to call you out one time. Oh. We'll just edit this out of the episode. They'll never know. No, listen, listen to this. <laughs> yeah. somebody's, somebody's at the controls and they just get everything. You know, this is the po- uh, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, people. There you go. That's one way I, to do it. Now I'm just privileged. I'm way too privileged to to, to be in this sphere now because I'm followed by the one and only Matt DeMarco. So. Get the hell out of here, please. Like <laughs> This is one of the things that I've... I, listen, Like I... I'm I'm not a celebrity. I'm not of anyone of particular, you know, s- significant importance. I just I have... want to I want to clarify something very quickly here. Uh, you say you're not a celebrity, but I cannot think of a person uh, on this planet that I am in, that I enjoy celebrating more. Oh, so well now I'm now I'm blushing. He's, I, yeah, he's blushing. He's starting to mess up, folks. We got him again. You got me again. God damn it. All right. Well, misty-eyed it is. Uh, we're going to have to uh, end the podcast here, mainly because... Uh, what? What's that? Yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. Uh, nobody. It's, yeah. Amazing. And... Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going through a tunnel here, friends. Don't forget, you're not losing if you're learning. So thank you so much again to all our patrons who have uh, been so gracious in supporting the show. Again, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash instant speed pod for as low as a dollar a month. My God, a dollar. 
you get one for a dollar. American dollar. One, is it America or is it a Canadian dollar? It's an American dollar. Please. Okay, one American dollar. I, that's I don't like, know how you guys operate. No, that's like half my rent, frankly, with the conversion. <laughs> uh, that said, for as low as a dollar a month, you guys can support the podcast. Again, we don't hide anything behind paywalls, but if you want extra perks, extra juice, uh, extra sprinkles, you can go ahead and uh, up your tier. We have three tiers available. Thank you so much to everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Instant Speed. Whoa.